Good morning. Um, I was thinking about that dog, you know, that little puppy. I think it, it was very small. It might have been a, I don't even remember the, what type it was. It was very small. How did it survive? How do we survive without the Lord in our lives? And, and you know, usually at the bottom, these people, uh, these people were like putting up posters everywhere. I mean, they were putting flyers on our cars, like, and then putting them up on all the posts everywhere you could find. They were going out in those woods. They went out in those woods. They, they got a guy with a dog come out, and they were looking and looking. I mean, they did everything they could. And, and, uh, but at the bottom of these posters always says reward, right? <laughs> but I was thinking about it. You know, when, when we're lost and we're found, the Father is rewarded. And we're rewarded. You know, we get blessed with, the, you know, the, that we have peace with God and we have eternal life. And the Father is just so overjoyed, like, like Justin described that, that woman who got her you know, a little dog back, you know, he's just, he's over the moon when we, that's why it says, you know, there's like a party when, when, you know, someone comes to Jesus, there's like a party in heaven, you know, all the angels are rejoicing, singing is going on. Why? Because, you know, what was lost is now found. That's amazing. Let's just talk about that today. No, I just, in the broken window, you know, it's just glass. And we have more. But the interesting thing is that, that someone left a note on the door and said, I'm sorry for breaking your window, and I'll pay for it. Here's my number. That's kind of cool. Right? I haven't tried the number yet to see if it's actually valid. <laughs> but you never know. Let's open our Bibles, John chapter 7, please. John chapter 7. We're going to look at uh, verses 37 through 39 today. Last week we talked about the great divide, you know, between those that love him and those that do not. You know, there's no in-between. You're on one side or the other. You, you can't you know, have a foot in one and a foot in the other. You can't live in the world and live in the Lord. You know, we're, the Bible says that we're in the world, but we're not of the world. We're different. We're changed. Why? Because of what Jesus is doing within us. There were those uh, in chapter 7 who wanted to seize him. They wanted to stop him. And then there were others who put their faith in him. So it's a very, a kind of a different you know, two different re responses, reactions to this man, Jesus. But, you know, we all have to make a choice. There's, as I said, no, no middle ground. And, and uh, you know, I hear about it all the time. I read about it all the time that persecution in America is growing. It's, it's getting worse. You know, California is kind of like the worst place. I'm ashamed that I'm from California sometimes because they're... They're like going so far in, in that direction. There's, a, there's new laws that are coming out. Massachusetts isn't far behind, believe me. And Rhode Island, of course, you know, we're, we're, we're right in there passing these, you know, horrendous laws. 
but California is like leading the way in, in some of the things that they're, you know, they're legislating now. It's going to be difficult to preach the truth publicly at some point in time. Because, why? Because you're not being inclusive, because you're not being, you know, uh, accepting of everybody. You know, these kinds of things that are happening, it's going to be illegal to speak what the Bible says in many areas. We, we need to be aware of that. Now today, uh, let's look at verses 37 through 39. Let's go ahead and read those right now. He says, On the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. And whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams or rivers of living water will, will flow from within him. And by this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. You know, it's, it's a wonderful, wonderful passage. It's God's Word. But I was thinking this morning, I was thinking, you know, what do I have to say about this? Who am I really? And what do I have here? I've got, you know, I've got some, some words on a page. That's all I have. But God is here. And God wants to speak. And God can do what God can do. And, and I, I just, you know, have to trust him that, you know, I, I felt like just inadequate. I felt, you know, that I, 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 the things that I thought, the things that I was looking at, just scratching the surface of how deep, really, the Word of God is. So, so our hearts have to be open to what the Holy Spirit wants to do, what God wants to say, what He wants to do in our lives. We really need to be listening carefully. Not, not to what I have to say, but what God might want to say. So, you know, this, this idea of being thirsty, and I remember, you remember back in chapter 4 when I was talking about the woman at the well and I had a pitcher of water. Some of you remember that? I'm not going to do that today because that was like, Man, I just drank too much. It was insane. But this idea of being thirsty, you know, it's such a huge question. Are, are you and I really thirsty? Are you and I really thirsty? Maybe we are and we aren't aware of it. I, I know I am, you know, I'm dehydrated most of the time as far as physical water goes. I don't drink enough water. I know that. It's not good for you, and, and I need to like force myself to drink because I know the benefits of it, right? Pastor Chuck uh, you know, talked about it. He talked about the three different kinds of thirst. He talked about uh, physical thirst when we need more water. We need to be hydrated. We need to drink. We need to, to uh, take in H2O, and, and you know, in lots of different ways we can get water, but he also talked about emotional thirst, that, you know, we have this emotional need. We need love. We need security. We need, you know, attention. We need to be needed. There's this emotional thirst that we have. And, and that's kind of a, you know, these are all the normal uh, parts of being human. But he also talked about this spiritual thirst, that there's a spiritual thirst that, that we have. And, and, and what it really is, it's to have a meaningful relationship with God. That's, a, that's something within us. Ecclesiastes talks about, you know, the, there's a, the eternity, 
you know, in, inside the heart of each one of us, this, this knowing that we, we need to get something right. There's a thirst to make something right. And we don't really know what it is, but the Bible declares that it's to have a relationship with God. That's what it is. That's what you and I need. This uh, Psalm 42, I love the Psalms. And, and you know what? If you don't read anything in the Bible, read the New Testament and read the Psalms. Okay, if you, you just need to get into the word. But Psalm 42, it says, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? The, psalm, the psalmist is saying here, you know, there is something within him, this, this deep thirst for God. Yeah, we can be thirsty for water. We can thir- be thirsty for the needs that we have in a lot of different ways. But this thirst for God he's talking about here. When can I go and meet with God? Chapter 4, I mentioned already the woman at the well. Jesus talked to her about being thirsty. And now he, he's here in chapter 7 talking about it again. Where do you and I go to quench the thirst that we have? It says there in verse 37, we, we just read it. Jesus is there in Jerusalem, the last day of the feast. This is the feast of, you know, unleavened, excuse me, the feast of tabernacles. When, when they would celebrate and they would be reminded of how God provided for them for 40 years in the wilderness, that he met their needs for food. He met their needs for water, right? The water came out of the rock. The water, he, he, he provided for them. He, he satisfied the thirst that they had. And so they're celebrating this. And, and there were certain things that they did at the Feast of Tabernacles. They would go and, you know, it's it said that they would go and get a, a pitcher of water every day of this seven to eight day feast. And they would bring it back and then they would pour it out each day. And it was just a remind, reminder of how God poured out the water. Well, at the very end of this, it says that Jesus, he stood up in a loud voice. And he started talking about, listen, you know, if you really want to be satisfied, if you really want your thirst to be quenched, he said what? He said, come to me. If anyone is thirsty. Now, it's interesting to note that, that he stood up because typically in in that setting, the teachers that would teach, they would, they would sit down. They would teach sitting down. But I guess from time to time, there would be those that would stand up. Now, so he stood up, and then he spoke in a very loud voice. And, and he didn't always do that. He, he would just teach in the Sermon on the Mount. You can hear him. He's just speaking in a normal voice. You don't have to shout to get your message across. But this particular time, it says, it says specifically, he said it in a loud voice. Why? Because two things, it was important, and he wanted everybody to hear. It's important. He had something to say that was very important. And he, and he said it, again, if anyone is thirsty... Let him come to me and drink. Let him come to me and drink. There's this need. There's this need within us. The the Blue Letter Bible said, those who painfully feel their want. 
and eagerly long for those things by which the soul is refreshed and supported and strengthened. There's a, there's a need within us that we know that there's more. It's not just you can't just go down to Burger King and get one of those big gulps. Or is that uh, 7-Eleven? I don't know. I don't drink those big gulp things. But some of you, they're like this big, serious. You can't just go and get one of those big gulp things and, and then feel satisfied and, be, and feel like, you, you know, yeah, it might make you full for a while, but there's still something missing. You know, and I, you know I've said this before, when you, when you, like, you're really craving, you know, a certain kind of food, and then, you know, but then you eat something else, and it's just like, it just doesn't do it. It just doesn't, doesn't meet the need, because you really want something else. I'm really dying for a burger right now. You know, but I have to eat a taco. Now, I love tacos. Let's start talking about food. We're talking about water here. He says, if anyone is thirsty, there, there's this need, this deep need that, that, that our, our, our spirit, the very deepest part of us needs to be fulfilled, satisfied. Jesus said, if you are thirsty, he said, come to me. Come directly to him, to Jesus himself. Where are you going to get your needs met? It's not doing a ritual. It's not doing some kind of interesting, strange things. You know, walking up you know, on your knees up the steps of this you know, uh, place or whatever. It's going directly to Jesus himself. That's what, that's what he said. That's not what I said. That's what he said. Come to me, he said. That's a direct invitation, a direct invitation. Jesus is saying to you, to me, to all those that would ever read these words, come to me, he said. I, I mentioned uh, a few weeks back about you know, Matthew chapter 11, uh, verses 28 to 30, where Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. Come to me, another direct invitation where he's saying, come to me. You don't have to, you know, go to the pastor. You don't have to go to a, a saint. You don't have to go to any, you know, do some certain, uh, you know, thing to get to him. Directly to Jesus yourself, he says. Come to me. We find it in the Old Testament, too. He says here in Isaiah, come, all you who are thirsty, and come to the waters he talks in that passage the fact that, you know, you don't have to pay money. It's free. It's free. But I found it here, too, in the book of Revelation, five verses from the end, Re Revelation chapter 22. So there's 22 chapters in the book of Revelation. Five verses from the end, it says that the spirit and the bride say, come. And let him who hears say, come. Whoever is thirsty, let him come. And whoever wishes, let him take the free gift of the water of life. There's nothing you have to do to pay for it, to earn it. Well, you know, when I get my life all together, when I, when I stop this or stop that, when I, when I, you know, learn more, when I have, you know, some Bible verses memorized, you know, he didn't, he didn't say any of that. He says, come and take. It's free. This is a, a call from, you know, for the ages. Whoever is thirsty, let him come. 
Whoever wishes, let him taste the free gift of the water of life. Come and drink. I looked up in my Blue Letter Bible, and, and you know I love the Blue Letter Bible. You know that, right? I'm really thirsty now. I'm not going to take a bunch, but I do need to take one now. Is that all right with you? Okay. But I looked up that word for drink, and, and it, when you look in the Blue Letter Bible, it'll tell you kind of what the tenses are. And if you, you know, are in school now or you're studying languages, you know, you learn about tense, you know, the tenses, you know. Any of you studying languages right now? You know what tenses are, you know, and you have to break down the word, and it's what it's like. Anyways, this particular word, they, they say in the Blue Letter Bible, it's present, active, imperative. Present, active, imperative. That's, you think about that, that's, that's kind of interesting. This is the, the word for drink. In other words, present means what? Now, yeah. Active, the word active uh, in there, it means um, that you're doing it. It's not something that's being done to you, right? If you, like let's say to be, you know, that you're, somebody, you know, hits you, Somebody is doing that to you, but when it's active, it means that you and I are doing it. So it's something that is doing that I need to do now, and it's something that I need to actively do. Right? So that means I have a, a part in it. I can't just, you know, well, I'm going to wait until, you know, he gives me a drink. You know, we teach, we teach you know, little children, you know, they say, give me a drink. You say, excuse me? Give me a drink. You know, then I look around, I go, like, I can't, I, I, I'm not hearing anything. I'm not hearing a thing. You know, it's, it's like how you come. Like, well, get, you know, can I have a drink, please? You know, there's a, there's a hard attitude, like, to come to him and, 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 and say to him, I, Lord, I am so thirsty. I need the water of life. I need this free Water of life. I need it. You know, within me, I'm just parched. I'm dry. I'm dead. It's a desert in there in me. I'm so thirsty. And then the last part, imperative, that means you've got to do it. It's imperative. It's not, it's not like, it's, it's kind of optional. No, it's imperative. It's like a command. It's like something that, you know, is said, you know, take out the trash, Right? You kids, I got to take the trash out. But when you're a kid and your parent says, take out the trash, they're not saying, it's kind of optional. You know, you can take it out if you want to. It's not like that, is it? Do any of you ever take the trash out? These kids all have their heads down. They're going like, what is wrong with him? He's talking about us again. First, he's talking about studying languages. Now he's talking about trash. I thought we were talking about water here. Imperative, it's imperative. It's like, you need this. You need this. Jesus said, drink. Take it in. Take it in. Look at verse 38. <clears throat> Excuse me. Verse 38, he said, whoever believes in me... As the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow 
from within him. Whoever believes in me. I notice that he says whoever in verse 38. And in verse 37 he says what? If anyone. What does that tell us? He says if anyone is thirsty. And then in verse 38, whoever believes in me. What does that tell us? Tells us it's open to anybody and everybody, whoever. It's not just, you know, a select few. If you're thirsty, the way is there. It's open for you and for me, no matter who we are, no matter where, where we are, no matter what our situation is, it's open. And I think he also tells us in that verse that, you know, to, to uh, drink is also to believe, right? So, you know, it's not like, you know, there's this physical water that's, you know, spilling down from heaven. You know, we open our mouths, you know, like you ever do that in the rain? You go out and you try to catch the drops or whatever. It's not quite like that, but it's a, it's a thing of faith where, Lord, I'm so thirsty, please. I come to you, I believe in you, I trust you. Can you, can you... Satisfy that thirst within me because I, I can't make it without you. He says here, whoever believes in me, as we come to him, we trusting in him, believing in him. He says, the scripture tells us that, that the streams of living water will flow from within. It's like, it's actually probably better translated as rivers or floods of living water. As we come to him now, I, I, you know, I, I have to be honest with you, when I'm reading these and I'm studying this passage and I'm thinking about this, I'm not sensing in my own life this river or torrents or floods coming out, but I want that. I want that. Warren Wearsby, our good friend, he says this, as water satisfies thirst and provides fruitfulness, so the Spirit satisfies the inner person and, and enables us to bear fruit. So this idea of water, the spiritual water, the living water that comes, it, it satisfies the thirst that we have. But I thought it was interesting. He, he, he kind of links that to fruit, to being fruitful. Being fruitful. Now, how many of you grow fruit in your backyard? couple of you. Uh, when that fruit is ripe, can you make sure I get some? Thank you, because I acknowledged you now. We have, we have some fruit trees in our backyard, too. They were there before we moved in, and we have some other kinds of plants that Justin and the kids have this giant garden out, out the back there and, and grow stuff. But you know what? Without water, that stuff is not going to grow. And the fruit is not going to come without water. And it's, it's a direct relationship, isn't it? No water, no fruit. So not only does this water, this spiritual water, are going to satisfy our thirst, but it's also going to help us to be fruitful. It's going to help us to be fruitful. The more water that's, that's flowing through our lives, the more fruit. We know the Bible talks in Galatians 5 about the fruit of the Spirit, right? The fruit of the Holy Spirit in our lives. But I was thinking about this, this idea of water, you know, and, and, I, and I'd seen a, a program uh, uh, not too long ago about certain kinds of nuts. Now, I'm not calling you nuts, but certain kinds of nuts and how much water it took to make that. I, I believe it was about almonds. 
Any of you saw that show? It took, it took a lot of water to, to, uh, to grow almonds. I mean, just a lot of water. And, and you, know, uh, you know, on our planet now, we have problems. Again, California has huge water supply problems. And, you know, but but in, uh, in the reality of it is that agriculture consumes like 70 to 80 or some even think up to 90% of all the water usage in this in our in our world. 70 to 90% of the water is used in agriculture. Why? So that fruit and food can grow. That's kind of interesting, isn't it? But again, you and I need that water, that water of life, that river flowing through us. That, that if we want to see fruit in our lives, we gotta we gotta come to the Lord and say, Lord, I. I, I don't have any fruit. I need you to like really flood my life with your water that, that I might bear some fruit because I can't do it. Jesus said in John 15, you, you know, apart from me, you can do nothing. And in that chapter, he talks about fruit. So a, a, a little interesting information. This is trivia, I know, and there'll be no test on this. But the gallons of water to produce one pound of food or whatever. How many gallons of water will it take to produce one pound? Okay, you know where we are? Are you with me? Okay. To produce one pound of tomatoes? Anybody guess? 22 gallons. 22 gallons, you know, for the whole process and everything to produce one pound of tomatoes. How about oranges? 55. Apples? 83. Why these need more? I mean, it seemed like oranges would need more, but apples, I don't know why. Don't ask me why. This is, but people did... Uh, there's a huge study about this because, again, people who are all concerned, you know, about our water shortages and everything, and, and they, they call it a, uh, you know, water footprint and all that. Uh, just, just so you know, this is kind of funny. This is from the website called treehugger.com. <laughs> I love it. Wait, it gets better. Mangoes, 190 gallons. Now, they threw this in here, tofu, you know, you're supposed to eat tofu and all that stuff, whatever that stuff is, I'm not sure, I've tasted it, but I'm not, I don't know what it is, but it's weird. Some of you are going to have a tofu salad today, and you're going, he doesn't know what he's talking about. You're right. 244 gallons. 244 gallons. How about this? Eggs. A, a pound of eggs. It's kind of hard to figure that out, but 573 gallons of water for a pound of eggs. Chicken, 815. Cheese, 896. Pork, 1,630 gallons for a pound. Butter, 2,044 gallons. Beef, they, 
they couldn't even decide. It was between 2,500 and 5,000 gallons for a pound of beef. Yeah. But this is my favorite chocolate. 2,847 gallons of water for that one pound of chocolate. What does that tell you? We need to get more water because we need more chocolate. Now, I've never ate a pound of chocolate at once, but I love chocolate. We need water. We need water to have fruit. The sweet things in life come as the Holy Spirit, as the water of life is flowing in our lives. That's where the sweetness is going to come from. That's where the fruit is going to come from. As God is working in us, as God is working through us, this water that is flowing, we cannot bear any fruit on our own. Notice it says there in verse 38 that streams of water, of living water, will flow from within Him. In other words, it it kind of flows from within us, but it kind of flows out. It kind of comes out, flowing out to others. And we we saw that in in Revelation chapter 22, verse 17. It says, him who hears, let him say, come. So we, we kind of let other people know. We share with others a blessing in, a blessing out kind of thing. Verse 39, by this, what he'd just been talking about, these streams, these rivers, this living water flowing from within him. He says, by this he meant the Spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. What Spirit is he talking about here? He's talking about the Holy Spirit. It's not our own Spirit. We have a Spirit, too. But our spirits are made alive by the power of God's Holy Spirit within us. And, you know... He's the third person of the Trinity. We have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. But, you know, I find that sometimes you start to talk about the Holy Spirit and you have, like, all different kinds of reactions and people are all over the map about it. They're either like, whoa, don't talk about that. He stopped doing this and that. And then you got other people, no, everything's going on. You know, we're, we're just all over the place here. But, you know, I'm just a simple person. And, you know, my, my feeling when I look at something like this and, and some verses we're, I want to go through quickly in, in chapters 14 through 16 is that where would we be without him? Where would we be without him? You know, yeah, there's confusion. There's fear, perhaps. But the bottom line is this, is that we need him. We, we desperately need the Holy Spirit to work in our lives. Because Jesus isn't physically here with us, but he gave us his Holy Spirit. He he said, we're going to read the verses now, that he sent his Holy Spirit to us. Why? Let's turn to chapter 14. And I I hope as we read some of these, we're just going to read these quickly again, just scratch the surface. But I hope there, you know, there's there's a thirst for what God wants to do and what the Holy Spirit wants to do within us, within our lives. Is the Holy Spirit active and alive today? I believe that He is. I don't see any scripture saying that He ceased doing anything. Look at chapter 14 and you'll see the kinds of things that that Jesus talked about in the Gospel of John. 
Chapter 14, verse 15, it says, If you love me and you will obey what I command and I will ask the Father, he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. A counselor. And, and that word counselor is translated a lot of different ways. I, I got it here somewhere, the Blue Letter Bible. Where did it go? Oh, here it is somewhere. This idea of counselor, it's translated as helper in some versions or uh, advocate in some, in some versions. Some, some translated as comforter. Why, why all these different trans- translations? Because he, he does all those things, and it, it can be translated in all those different ways. But really, the, the word is a parakletos, which, some, which means literally someone who's called it to one side. He's called to be there. He's called to be there for us. The Holy Spirit is there for you and for me. So it says there, and he uses this term many times in the gospel here. He says, I, I'll ask the Father, he'll give you another counselor, comforter, advocate to be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you, and what? Will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans, and I will come to you. So, so Jesus is saying, I, I'm going to leave, and where was he going to go? To the Father. He was going to you know, ascend into heaven, and he did that. But he says, I'm not going to leave you alone. You're not on your own to try to make it, to try to, but I'm going to send the Spirit. The Holy Spirit's going to come and He's going to be there with you. And not only is He going to be there with you, He's going to be there in you. But notice what He says here. He's, he's going to be with you forever. He's the Spirit of truth. How do you know the truth? The Holy Spirit witnesses with our spirit. Look, jump down to verse 25. He he talks about it again. Verse 25, he says, All this I have spoken while still with you, but the Counselor or the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, notice the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit all involved in this, he will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. And then he talks about peace. It says that he will teach you all things. How are you going to learn without the Holy Spirit? How are you going to learn about spiritual things unless the Holy Spirit helps you to learn? You can't. We can't. It says in Corinthians that these things are they're spiritually discerned. In other words, the natural man, the, the, the fleshly man, we can't even understand this stuff without the Spirit of God to help us understand these things. I need the Holy Spirit to help me understand. But, but I like this, what he says, because, you know, the, the, uh, the older that I get, man, I just can't remember stuff. Like, what day is it today? You know, my memory is like, it's shot sometimes, I think. But look what he says there. I love this. He says that he would remind us of all things. And oh, I'm trying to find it here. Remind you of everything that I have said to you. Teach you all things and remind you of everything that I have said to you. He's going to help you remember the things that Jesus said. So 
you know, do you have to memorize everything that Jesus ever said? No, because you can't anyways. There are some people that memorize, you know, the whole Gospel of John and all these things. I, I, I couldn't do it. I just, I can't do it. But as I study and read, I know that the Holy Spirit is able to bring things back to my memory that, that he has spoken to me. Now, I, I have to ask the question, can he bring back to your memory things that he hasn't spoken to you? Well, he could. And I think my, my point is, is that we need to be listening and we need to be reading. We need to be listening to what the Word of God says because if we don't, there's not a whole lot to bring back. Right? Bring back to your remembrance something that you never read? That's difficult. He could do it if he wants to, but that's not the way I think that he operates. How about chapter 15? Verse 26, when the counselor comes, whom I will send to you from the Father. Interesting, in chapter 14, he says, the Father will send in my name. Here he says, I'm going to send to you from the Father. They're all, you know, integral, integrally, that's a tough word to say. They're all in this thing together. He says, I will send to you from the Father the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father and he will testify about me. That's an important point. He will testify about me. See, some of these extremes, and I, and I get it about these extremes in the church and the body of Christ, you know, saying the Holy Spirit doesn't do anything today, one extreme, the other extreme, you know, the Holy Spirit is doing, you know, we're having a Holy Spirit party over here and, and all this stuff's happening, the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. But he says, what, he, what does he say right here? He says what? He will testify about what? Himself? What does it say? Don't look at me, look down. So this is the time you look down. What does it say? He will testify about Jesus. He's, he's going to testify. He's going to bring glory to him. He's going to bring honor to him. He's going to point to Jesus. If it's, if it's all about the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, I think we're missing something. We're missing the mark. He's going to point to Jesus. Jump into chapter 16. A couple more verses here before we wrap this up. Chapter 16, verse 7, he says, But I tell you the truth, it's good for you that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send to you, him to you, him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. The Spirit would come and, and he would convict the world. That's something that the Holy Spirit does. You know, it's not only that he convicts the world, though, but he also convicts us, right? You know, when, when we start to veer off and go off in a, in a wrong direction, I believe the Holy Spirit is there to convict us, like something is not right in my life. This conviction of the Holy Spirit. Say, people can can walk away and, and, and stop following after Jesus. Well, you know, if they... My, my feeling about this is that if, if they're truly born again, they're not going to lose their salvation. 
There are some who are not born again. They just come to church and, you know, they, they, they're there and, and they never really were born again by the Spirit of God. They never had the Spirit of God living within them. They walk away. There's no difference, no change. They're not, they weren't saved. They aren't saved. But those that are saved, I believe, that you walk away, you, the Holy Spirit is, is going to be convicting you. You're going to know deep down there, there, there's a sense that, you know, something isn't right in me. And maybe they don't want to face it. They don't want to deal with it. They don't want to talk about it. But the Holy Spirit is going to keep working. That conviction is going to stay there. That's, that's what I believe. I believe the Scripture teaches. Jump down to verse 13. But when He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on His own. He will speak only what He hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will, he will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. And all that belongs to the Father is mine. And that's, that is why I said the Spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. Again, he's not drawing attention to himself. He's bringing glory to Jesus. But he's bringing the truth. He's bringing the truth. And you know, you and I, we need to know the truth. The whole truth. Nothing but the truth. The Holy Spirit will help us. The Spirit of truth. So having read these verses, you know, I'm convinced that I, that I need and I want more. I thirst for more of what the Holy Spirit can do in my life. I'm not overflowing. I know that. Let's be honest. Are you, maybe you're in a place where, man, you just can't stop it. It's just flowing out of you so much. You just can't stop it. And maybe you're in that place. And I know that there's been times in my life maybe that I could say that. But I think for most of us, like, there's a thirst. Man, I want that. I, I need that. I need the spirit of truth. I need the counselor. I need counseling. I'm in counseling. I need more counseling, right? I need comfort. I need an advocate. I need someone to, to speak the truth into my life and to open up the word of truth, the spirit of God in my life. I want more. I want more of him. You think about that and, you know, you think about some of these questions sometimes, you know, well, can you, can you, do, you do you want more of God in your life? Or is that how it works? Or, or is it that you're giving him more of you? I'm giving him more of me. And so therefore God is, has more of a bigger place in my heart and in my life. You see, you see the difference? You know, I want more of God. Well, when, when God is living within you, I don't know that you can have more of him. But he can have more of us. And as that occurs and as that happens, you know, he's doing more things in our hearts and lives. So it's a matter of, you know, yieldedness, yielding to him. Jesus said, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Believe in me. I just want to read one last scripture. Turn back to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 11. Luke chapter 11, verse 9. 
So I say to you, ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. That's powerful, isn't it? But look what he says. He goes on to say, For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? Ugh. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Wow. He's wanting to give more and more and more of himself to us as we, I think, yield more and more of ourselves to him. There was a a guy that we worked with in England years and years ago, he wrote a book. It was called How Much More. And he went to every passage in, in the scripture where it talks about how much more. Because it's way more than you and I can ever imagine. That we would, you know, more than we could ask or think or imagine that, that he pours out of his love and his working in our lives. I don't know about you, but I just want everything that he has. I just want everything that he has. I want more of him in my life. I, I need more of him in my life. You know, the world tells you you need more of you. You know, you need to really realize who you are. You need more. You know, you, you need more self this and self that. But... We don't need more of ourselves because you know what? That's, that's really kind of, it's ugly. Ultimately, it's just ugly. Because you, you and I, we know our own hearts. If we just want more of me, I've had enough of me. I want more of him. That's the deal. That's the deal. We're going to pray. We're going to just pray now. We're going to sing together. You know, living water, fill my thirsty soul. Uh, Chris is going to come and pray. We're going to play and we're going to pray and we're, gonna, we're just going to take a few moments just to say, God, I need you. I want you. I, 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 I want everything you have. I want more of you. I'm thirsty. I'm thirsty within me. I'm thirsty. My, my soul thirsts for the living God. I, I want everything that he has for me. Let's pray together, shall we? Our gracious Heavenly Father, we come, we, we ask you. We humble ourselves before you. Speak to us, Lord. Uh, hear us. Hear the cries of our hearts. That I need more of you. I want more of you in my life. I give you more of me. I surrender more of my life, my, my thoughts, my wants, my needs. I surrender them. I bring them to the foot of the cross. Because I need you. I need you. I want you. It's, it's desperate. I'm desperate for you, as we sang earlier.